Well, we're in a brand new series in series, the book of James. And I think this series, really part one, is really for you. It's really uh, apt for our missionaries about to send out James chapter 1. And we're going to be going chapter by chapter for the next month. So chapter by chapter, verse by verse, as we go through the book of James. And when I grew up, I, I grew up in your typical Pacific Island family, my mum being Cook Island, my dad being Pākehā. Um, but, um, but within a typical Pacific Island family, on Sundays you go to church, that's what you do. And for me growing up, for me growing up, it was just like, I went to church on Sunday, but every other day I lived however I wanted to live. I, I, and in fact, if you were to ask me what religion I was all those years ago, I would say I'm a Christian because I'm brought up in a Christian home. But here's the truth. The fact is, just because you're, you grew up in a Christian home doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just like eating at McDonald's every Sunday doesn't make you a Big Mac. <laughs> you may taste good, but you're not a Big Mac. Okay. Right? And that's what the book of James is all about. The James, book, of, book of James is about, so what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What do we know about the book of James? The book of James is a letter. It's actually what we call an epistle. It's a letter. It's written. And according to early church history, early church tradition, that this letter was written by Jesus' brother, his younger brother, James. It was written by James around the late 40s AD. James will go on to become head of the Jerusalem church, and he is martyred around 62 AD. You know what's really amazing? When we read Mark chapter 3, James actually opposed Jesus' ministry, right? This leader of the church. In fact, when Jesus was, was, was beginning his ministry and leading up to his crucifixion, James opposed them. In Mark chapter 3, we read this, that, that, that his brothers come in, they say, what is this lunatic up to? Because James didn't see Jesus as the son of God. James saw Jesus as a brother. A brother, an actual brother. Have you guys got a brother or have you guys got a family, a sibling that's kind of gone a bit loose? Think oh, he's a bit loose, and you know every Christmas, you, you know your children always ask. You always have to. There's always that one uncle, right? You always got that one uncle, and they do we have to invite? Him? He's my brother. I have to invite him. Porter, he's my brother. I have to invite him. Okay, you know we always like. I'm not saying my my, 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 my brothers out there, David. Okay, maybe David. No, just kidding. Uh, David, Alex. Oh, I'm not gonna say them all. Tim, Josh. Okay. To all, um, yeah, right? And so here we have it. He didn't see him and his brother. But what's amazing? What was the turning point for James? What was the turning point for James? The turning point that we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is that James encounters the resurrected Jesus. And for the very first time, he didn't see Jesus as his brother, but saw him as the son of God. So here's the, th here's the thing. You could, be, you, could, you could grow up in a Christian home, but until you have an encounter a God encounter, an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. We're going to continue to walk through life as if, oh, well, that's what I do on Sunday, but this isn't really my lifestyle. But when you encounter Jesus, you encounter purpose. And this is what the book of James is all about. So I want you to turn with me to James chapter 1. The title of, um, I was looking for a cool subtitle for this message, and so and the subtitle for this message is James 1. As creative as, as I got this week. Oh, man, the 60th was a big week. Here we go. James 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, Greek, and the word servant is the Greek word doulos, which is a bond servant. It's, it's someone who, who, uh, who attaches himself to a family and becomes a slave. They willingly becomes a slave to serve a family, a bond servant. 
James, a servant of God, and so he's James. His, his picture is that I'm becoming a doulos for Christ, right? And we, we read in Philippians where Jesus becomes a doulos for us. Here we go. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is based upon happenings. See, my marriage is not based upon happiness. Because if your marriage is, is based upon happiness, it's based upon happenings. So therefore, the moment you stop feeling happy in your marriage, it's time for a divorce. But my marriage is based upon joy. And where does joy come from? The Bible tells us joy is the fruit of the Spirit. See, the battles that you, have, that you have been through, at the time you thought, Lord, why am I going through this? But it's not till you get through these battles until you enjoy, you look back and you see that God was in it all along. Who I am as a husband is, is all the ups and downs make who I am. And I'm glad I went through them. You know, we, we've been, we celebrate wedding anniversaries this morning at the 9 o'clock service. We had, we had a couple celebrating 42 years of marriage. Now, if we're honest, if you're married in this room, quite often there, were, there, were, there, was, there was a time in your, in your marriage where you thought we, we weren't going to make it. There was a time in our marriage when I thought we weren't going to make it. But here's the thing. Marriage is not based upon happenings. It's, happening, uh, it's based upon the joy, joy of the Lord. That's, that, that God begins to work something within you. And as you get through it, when you meet someone who has been through what you, what you have already got through, and you're now on the, other, uh, on the other side, you understand their pain. You understand where they are. And then you can, be, you can begin to encourage them. See, uh, if God could do it for me, he can do it for you. That's the joy of the Lord. That's the joy of the Lord. And James is saying this, the moment you decide to follow Jesus, the moment you follow Jesus, that you should expect trials of all kinds. Come on. And James says, and when you, when, when you come across trials, hey, consider it joy. Because you know why? Because God is working something inside of you. He's working something inside of you. We're Glenn and Naomi being sent out as missionaries. And I know the battles they've been in. Some of us, we know the battles and journey they've been on. Why? Why, why, why were they going on all these battles? Because God is preparing them. God is preparing them for, for them to step into, and God's prepared you guys. If you thought, you're thinking, oh my gosh, the battles we've been on just to go, imagine what's going to happen over there. God is preparing you for that journey. Come on. James said, consider it all joy. All that you guys have been going through these last couple of years, come on, God is preparing you guys, ready to send you. And, if, and, and God wouldn't put you through something if you thought you couldn't handle it. And you're still here today. You're still here today, and we championed you guys. Come on, mechanics don't work on scrap metal. What do they work on? They, they test cars that are going to face tough conditions. Come on. We're not just supposed to survive, but we're supposed to count, make a difference, to speak and act in a way that will reveal the gospel, the love of Jesus to those around us. And then James goes on in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it'll be given to you. Here's the thing. When we face trials, we need wisdom. What's really going on? Because wisdom, wisdom helps build patience with inside of us. Verse 6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
such person as a double-minded and unstable in all that they do. See, the challenge of our faith is not to be a wave, right? Not to be a wave. See, the question is, what kind of character, what kind of character is in your life right now? Is it real? Because if it's not real, James says that you'll become like a wave, simply double-minded and unstable, blown, blown here this minute, blown here the next, when trials come your way. See, the key to a steadfast faith is to learn to lean on God. <clears throat> and to remind ourselves regularly of who He is in our life. And to settle on this, wisdom, patience, and faith. Wisdom, patient, and faith. And this is what the trials, when we go through hard times, God is producing this inside of us. And in our marriage, oh, no, oh man, we, 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 what, what's some of the things that God works on a lot? Patience. And all the guys said, amen, patience. He's working on them. And also wisdom, men. Wisdom. Faith. I think wisdom, faith, patience, I think it's just for the guys. Oh, no, just it's for the ladies as well. <coughs> Uh, and, and this is what God, and this, so if you're going through something right now, God's preparing you for something. Come on. Come on. He's preparing you through, for something. And then it goes on in verse 9. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in high positions, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises and, with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossoms falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, anybody been through a test? Having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Come on. Now, in these, in these passages, James is, is, is warning us believers to avoid two snares. And the first snare is wealth. Is be aware of, of, of this. And also, when we think of the early church, when, when James is writing this letter, the, the early Christians, they lived in this echo chamber. And this echo chamber is called the Old Testament. So they began to, to see and, and move, uh, and it colored their worldview. The Old Testament colored what they saw. And he's writing to his writers, and, and, and as James wrote these words, he's expecting his readers to link this, these words with the Old Testament. See, what I love about the Bible, when we begin to read the New Testament, everything's hyperlinked to the Old Testament. And the Old Testament just begins to bring to life what we read in the New Testament, gives us new nuances and things we'll never see before. And it hyperlinks way back to, and James is expecting us to do this when we read his, his letter. He's expecting us to take us back to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. This is what it says, the, gra the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Come on, what are you going to put your trust in? Are you putting your trust in your wealth? The latest iPhone? Uh, I've got news for you, you've got the latest iPhone, there's another one coming in September. <laughs> then you've got to upgrade. Then you've got to upgrade again because another one comes, you know, that doesn't last. Remember Polaroids? Man, that's going to last forever. Remember Blockbuster Video? Man, that's going to last forever. Right? Remember cassette tapes? That's going to, none of those, nothing lasts forever. But this, can't, this is what, what James is saying. This is what we can lean on. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the, the word of our God endures forever. So how do we overcome the snares of this world? 
but not leaning on things that don't last, but leaning on God, trusting in God, and leaning on His Word, on His Word. And the second snare James speaks about is temptation. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone else. God never tempts you. Did you know that? God doesn't bring temptation your way. He never will. He never does. God will bring you through testing, but he won't bring you through temptation. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. He doesn't tempt you. So where does temptation come from? Well, I'm I'm glad you asked because he answers it in the next verse. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Come on. Our greatest regrets have been from something that begins with D, and it's not the devil. How often we hear, oh, the devil, man, the devil's been working hard on me this week. The devil made me do it. Man, the devil's at my doorstep. He's constantly at me. We give the devil too much credit. What did Jesus say? All authority has been given to me. The devil's got no authority. Who has all the authority? Jesus does. We give the devil too much authority. It, it has no authority. Our greatest regrets could have been avoided by the other thing that begins with D. You know what that is? Our own dumb decisions. Right? My greatest regrets are not because of the devil, but because of my own dumb decisions. My hardship in my marriage is because of my own dumb decisions. My wife reminds me. Just kidding. She doesn't. Anybody else's wife? No, just don't. If you're, if you're a husband right now, don't lift up your hands. Your wife is watching you. Okay. Then after, desire has, after, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to what? To death. See, you know, quite often we say, ah, oh, man, when these temptations come. See, we, we think it's these big temptations, right? Oh, I can just sidestep those. Man, it's just like the, the New Zealand Sevens team winning gold. The girls, let's go women. Or oh, the Fijians, the many of the men. That was awesome. Bula, oh, so good. And so... Um, we think, what we're we talking about again, the temptations, right? We think we, we just, but you know what? It's not the big temptations James is talking about, right? What does he, what does he say? What, what, he says this, he says, he says, it gives birth to sin, right? How, when something's born, how big is it? It's not that big, right? It's small. So it's not the big compromise we've got to watch out, it's the small compromises. The small compromises leads to the big ones. It gives birth to the big ones. See, when when we allow these small compromises in our lives, oh, you know what, it's all right, it's only a little thing. It's only a little thing. If we let these things take root in our life, it gives birth to something bigger. This is what James is talking about. And where does it lead us? Leads to death. See, these two desires, one leads to a crown of life, the other one leads to death. What leads to the crown of life? Something that lasts. What lasts? It's the Word of God. Last forever. This is what James is talking about. This is what we need to lean on. Then he goes on. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Why? Because the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of God endures forever. What do we lean on? We lean on God. We trust on God. How do we overcome the snares of this world? By leaning on something that lasts. 
something that's permanent, the Word of God. We lean on His Word. We trust in God who never changes. So when God speaks, things happen. Things happen to us. Things happen inside of us. The Word of God is like a medicine which goes down deep inside and begins to change us from the inside out. We begin to see the world like we've never seen it before. When we allow the Word of God to penetrate our hearts, it changes, it changes us. It changes the way we see things. changes the way that we speak. And he goes on. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruits of all that he created. And again, he's this echo chamber of the Old Testament. So uh, the, the, the first century uh, believers will be reading this and, and it will take their mind straight to the Old Testament, to the first fruit in the temple. Because uh, back in the first fruit, the, the festival of, of Jewish believers, they'll bring the, the, the first crops and they'll bring it to God and, the, and the, as part of their first fruit, offer it to the temple. Why? It was a symbol of more to come. So we become first fruits. Why? Because it's a symbol of more to come. Because every good thing comes from, from above. And God, who, he who began a good work on you will see it to the end. What God has begun, there's more to come. You've got to believe it. You just don't just st- stop where you are. You are the first fruits, meaning more is to come. This is a hyperlink to the Old Testament. And, he, and, he, and then he, and he, and he continues on. And, 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 but he, he continues on and he changes tact a little bit. You know that phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never harm me? Now, th- that phrase is what we say when we're in primary school, when someone's teasing us, and we're like, oh, you, that doesn't, doesn't harm me, it's just words, and we walk off crying, <laughs> right? We just try to have this brave face, it doesn't harm because we know that's not true, because you can heal from a broken arm, but sometimes words of not properly treated can kill us. Some of us are still c- carrying these wounds years later. Have you ever been spoken about behind your back? People saying things about you that are untrue, and people are hearing them, and they believe it? Sometimes we never recover from those things. This is where James takes us with the power of the tongue. And he goes on, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to what? To talk? Quick to respond? What? No, what does it say? Quick to listen. That's why God gave us two years and one mouth. It's a good ratio. We should try it. Two to one. Slow to speak, because if we're slow to speak, guess what happens? We're slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Come on. If you're in this room and you're quick to anger, come on, God's speaking to you right now. And this is the key. It's called empathy. Empathy. It's understanding someone from from that point of view. Because when we're angry, we'll go, blah, 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 blah. We're just spewing out all this vomit. But we stop to listen, understand where they're coming from. It changes. It, it really does. I remember working, when I was working at the international airport, I was taking mail, mail docs to United Airlines. This is how long the story is, when United Airlines used to be in New Zealand. And I was, uh, there had been, uh, something happened with the mail production. We're late. The docks were late. I'm putting pressure on our guys. Close off the mail. I need to, I need to balance this flight. Quick, I need to balance the flight. We were past the deadline. Balance the flight. And I rushed to the, to the dock office at United Airlines with the docks. Go, here's the mail. Here's the mail. I'm sorry. Relate. So, and as soon as I walked through the door, the guy, honestly, he starts swearing at me. He's just all bright red. He really was. He was bright red. And, and he's just going for it. And he goes, you guys at post, you... Right? I said, like, why am I doing that? <laughs> 
And you, go, you think you guys can come over here and just do what you guys think? The mail can go anytime. You can, it can up your... And he goes on, right? Man, your imagination, where's it going? I have no idea. <laughs> Father, I just pray. We just pray for you. No, okay. And so, uh, there's keys, the keys coming. Oh, the guitar coming to rec- rescue us. And well, this is, this is T. He's looking pretty suave on the guitar. Where was I? All right, here we go. The story, the dogs. Right? And you know, I, I, I just become a believer. And I had read these words. So I said, you know what? I could have reacted oh, well, I was you, and I could have thrown the dogs on the floor and walked out. Because this, man, we're priority. We're the male. The male must get through. Right? We're priority. But you know what? I, I, I stood and said, you know what? And I, I started thinking, and this is, the, this is that uh, thinking in my head. I'm thinking to myself, this person's under so much pressure. This person isn't angry at me. I, I, he's not, it's not a personal attack. And then I said, you know what? It's okay. So I said to him, look, it's okay. It can go tomorrow. It's fine. Thank you so much. And I turned to leave. And then he said, wait, bring me those docs. I gave him the docs. I said, thank you. And I left. And I said, yeah, you know it. No, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's all about understanding what they're going through. It changes. Sometimes we think we're under attack personally, but we're not. If we stop and we listen, understand where they're coming from. I need to land the plane. That's why he's playing the guitar. Here we go. Where, where are we on this thing? Then he goes. Anyone who listens to the word but does, not, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like, right? No, we don't do that, right? And back in those days, if you weren't rich, you, you wouldn't have a mirror. You, quite often, you, you didn't actually know what to look like. You didn't have a portrait. So if you happen to glance and see your reflection, it was quite possible to forget what you look like. And that's, what, that's, what, that's what James is saying. Come on, James is saying this, look, don't be people who come to the church and say, oh, amen, brother, love it. I love the word. Then, but we go out and our lives look no different to everyone else. Let me ask you something. Is your life in your workplace, does it reflect the glory of God? Or does it look no different to anyone else's? Does your life in your place of education, does it reflect the glory of God or does it look like every, everyone else's? This is what James is saying. You can tell he's Jesus' brother. Sounds like something else. Don't be just hearers of the words, but be doers of the good words of Jesus. This is what he says. Then he goes on. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, the word of God that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they had heard, but doing it, not just being hearers, but doers, they will be blessed in what they do. And you're probably thinking, what? How can the law bring freedom? Doesn't the law restrict us? And I remember as a Christian thinking, oh, I don't want to be a Christian because it's going to restrict me to do what I want to do and have my, have my life out there. But you know what? I was really a slave to myself because I was doing stuff. I don't want to do that stuff. I was doing things, but I felt like I had to, to be part of the in crowd. I was slave to self. But when the Word of God came and changed my life, I was free. It frees us. Can you imagine what our roads would look like if we had no law? If we had no rules for the road, it would be chaotic. It's hard enough seeing people the way they drive with the law. <laughs> but having the law gives us freedom. We can go places. We can do things. We can explore. This is what it does. The law brings freedom. 
doesn't restrict. This is what James is saying. Let it bring freedom. Set you free. Then he continues on. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. I love this. After a flash of glorious theology, James brings us down to earth with a thump, doesn't he? Come on. He says, a follower of Jesus with a foul mouth? That's a contradiction in terms. You cannot be a follower of Christ and then you go off to work and bleep, 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 bleep. It doesn't make sense. How can you? This doesn't make sense. Are you a doer of the word or are you just a hearer? Amen, brother. Then go to go. Nothing changes. This is what James is saying. Don't just be hearers, be doers. Let the word of God change you. Don't forget what you see, but let it change you. Let it free. The law frees you. Verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their their, their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I love this. James, hey, look, this is what it means. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, right? This is what, it's not about just being born in a Christian home. This is, this is how to outwork it. It means allow the Word of God to transform you. And when it, when it does transform you, you begin to see the need around you. Your devotion to God, your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people. But at the same time, don't be polluted by it. Don't be polluted by it. You know, as a, as a youth pastor, say, oh, you know, Jesus went to parties, so I should go to parties. Yeah, Jesus went to parties, but he went to change the environment. Are you going to change the environment or are you going to be part of the environment? That's what he's talking about. Don't be polluted by it. Come on, your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people. So what does it mean for us? It means when we trust in God and his word, then we overcome the snares of the world. It's allowing the word of God to come inside us. I remember thinking when I was just a, when I first became a Christian, I, said, oh, I wish I could know what, what the youth pastor knows about the Bible, then I'll be the ultimate. That's what I used to think. That's kind of weird, you know, as a young person. But you know, even now people come up, oh, Pastor Ants, I wish I could know the Bible like you do. Here's the thing, you can. Yeah. There's no secret. What's the secret to knowing what you, what you know? Easy, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Come on. It's not rocket science. Read the Bible. The Word of God is like medicine which goes deep inside and changes us. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of God endures forever. Forever, forever, forever. Someone asked me, what's the best translation should I read? The best translation you should read is the translation you are reading. Does you get me? The best translation you should read is the one that you're reading. Come on, just read the Bible, is what I'm saying. Just read it. Forget about what translation, King James, NIV, NLT, ESV. Come on, ATC. That's my initials. Anyway, that is a translation you could read, but come on, here we go. But here's the thing. If you're in this room, you haven't got a habit of reading a Bible, let me help you. Let me give you some tools. If you have a smartphone, you have a habit, right? I know you have this habit. Because I've got a smartphone, so I have this habit, right? So the best way to start a new habit is to attach it to an existing habit. If you've got a smartphone, especially if you're younger, first thing you do when you wake up in the morning, what do you do? Where's my phone, right? It's not like we turn to our wife and say, hey, honey, you look beautiful this morning. It's like, hey, honey, could you pass my phone? (laughs) Right? 
And that's our habit. We grab the phone. What do we do? Check our notifications. Oh, how many, oh, how many likes I got? <laughs> oh, look, my Insta story, right? Re, or read the, read the paper. <laughs> yeah. But so this, this is a habit. So what, this, this is what we need to do. Get our phones. Download the Bible app. The first thing we do, this is a habit. First thing we do, we open up a Bible app before we check our notification, and we read one chapter. One chapter. And then you can get onto notifications. It may sound unspiritual, but let me tell you something. If you build this up, the Word of God will transform. I've been doing this for 20 plus years. 20 plus years. One chapter a day. I started when I was one. <laughs> Here we go. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the Word of God endures, endures forever. When I was 12 years old, my dad, who was, my dad never lived with us, never did. For me, that was normal growing up. Grew up with my mom, she's a Cook Islander, solo mom. That was normal. My, mom, my dad lived somewhere else. He provided a schooling and books, things like that. He, my dad is Pakia. He, he lived in Mount Ross School. We lived in Mangare. And when I was 12 years old, my dad was quite well off. He's a businessman. I was 12 years old. I'm thinking, oh, my dad's going to give me a Christmas, oh, give me a birthday present. And I'm thinking, man, what if I'm going to get the latest Sega Master System? So, it shows how old I am, right? You know what it gives me? He buys me a Bible, a New Testament, good news, Bible. He gives it, to, inside of it says, to my son Anthony Cuthers on his 12th birthday. He gives it to me. I was so disappointed. So disappointed. I was thinking, you could have given me anything, and you gave me a Bible? What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this book? So, in my disgust, I just threw it in the corner of my room. Just before my 18th birthday, things had not been going well in my life. And I remember thinking, I need to get my life right with, with God, right? I had this moment. And there in my corner was this book. So I pick up the Bible and I open it up and I, and I read an inscription to my son, Anthony Cuthers, on his 12th birthday. And then I look at the back and I, and I got this book and I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do with this book? I have no idea, Right? I went to Sunday school, but I never read the Bible. I went to this is what I did. And I picked up this book, and it had this plan at the back. So I thought, oh, I'll read this plan. And I started reading the book of Acts. And, I re- and you know, I got hooked. I began to read the book of Acts. I was devouring chapter after chapter after chapter. And I was, my mind was being blown away. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. It was like an adventure story. I was thinking, I can't believe I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the Bible. I was thinking, I can't believe this is in this book. The stories that were happening just blew my mind. And later that month, my friend invites me to youth group. There I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come on. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the Word of God endures forever. The Word of God will transform your life. Years later, I'm now working at, at the International Mail Center. And now I'm running a Bible study amongst my work colleagues. And one of the work colleagues, he hasn't got a Bible, so I lend him my Bible, my Good News Bible, and I say, hey, this book is precious to me. This book is the greatest gift. This book I saw as, not, as something that, why did my dad give it? It was now my greatest gift. I said, look, please look after this book. This guy comes and sees me months later, and he said, look, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to transfer. Here, here's your book. Thank you for giving it to me to read. And I, and I give him back the book and said, no, you have it. And I don't know why I said that, even to this day. I said, why did I say that? But here's the thing. This book that was given to me had done its work. 
Now this word of God needs to continue its work. Wherever it's going. I have no idea where it is. All I know is that inside the book it says, to my, to my son Anthony Cuthers on his 12th birthday. Someone's reading around now. Who's this Anthony Cuthers guy? Here's the thing. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures. Endures forever and will change your life. Come on, let us pray.